Father, we have sung about it, but you truly are good. I thank you for your favor that rests upon us. Lord, that you cause us to prosper, that you cause us to be in health even as our souls prosper. Lord, that you give us influence for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, that you bless us, that your presence goes with us wherever we go. You are our provider, you're our healer, you're our defense, you're our peace, you're our joy, you're our strength. Father, we are a blessed people. Right now we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for grace. Thank you for all that you've given us, even when we don't deserve it, Lord God. That while we were sinners, you died for us, Lord God. That you have saved us. That you've called us out of darkness into light. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord God. You truly are good. It's not cliche. You are good. You are good. You're a good God. You are light. You are love. You are holy. Amazing, awesome, wonderful. Yes. Church, would you just, in your words, tell the Lord what he means to you. Thank him for his goodness. Thank you for his provision. Thank you for all that he has been. Thank you for all that he has been to you. Lord, we celebrate you. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your words. What are you grateful for today? What are you thankful for? Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Why don't you find somebody that you, you maybe you don't know and give them a, a handshake. Welcome into the house of the Lord. It's a good time to hug somebody. It's a good time to so, tell somebody that you love them. Hallelujah. Welcome to Return Church this beautiful Sunday morning. We got some good rain showers this morning. I don't know about you, but I got awakened by uh, thunder and lightning and all that good stuff. The rain is a blessing. Amen. Now we got, I think, beautiful sunshine. I'm looking forward to going. I'm going to spend time outside today. It's a beautiful day. Amen. That's right. You better spend some time with your mom. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. We're going to have a presentation for you. You guys are very, very special to all of us. How many of you know you wouldn't be here without your mother? <laughs> Some people think it's possible, but I know better. <laughs> Amen. I know better. Praise God. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom. She's back on the back right side. And... Um, I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful that she's still around. Amen. My mom has been good to me. She's blessed. She loved her family. She served us. Um, I think without her prayers, I wouldn't be here today. Without her leading me to the house of the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. And so I just want to say thank you, and I honor my mom today. Love you, Mom. Amen. And my wife is absolutely amazing, and she's going to come. We have some things prepared for moms that she's going to present this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all you beautiful, fabulous, called by God women. I'm not standing in an appropriate place. Don't wear a dress over a vent. It's never worth it, I promise you. So I'm going to have to move myself over here before Marilyn Monroe shows up. <laughs> I'm going to move this out to you. Don't these kiddies look wonderful? Let's give these children a hand. Amen. Come on down here, Simon. Come on down right by Alaska. Well done. Um, I was thinking this morning about, not at this morning, I think about it every day, but motherhood. You know, you, I had, when I was, before I had children, 
I, I lived in London and I had a job that I absolutely loved. I felt I had so many dreams when I was back then. And I met a lady, she was the district manager for the company that I worked for, which was a pharmaceutical company. And she had her baby, the due date, she'd arranged with the doctor when to have it because it was inconvenient after it and it was inconvenient before it because she wanted to fly home from, to Ireland where she was from. And I looked at her so, you are bizarre. Where are you from, you know? And she took a liking to me. She was a district manager. She was so strict with those pharmaceutical people, you know, just real strict. But for me, for some reason, she really liked me. And I remember looking at her thinking, where do you get that concept from? And she whispered in my ear when she'd had the baby, she came back and I was telling her how fabulous she looked. And she said to me, Rachel, it is easier to go to work than it is to stay at home. And I remember thinking, you kidding me? You get to get up whenever you want to? You get to hang out at the house all day? What are you talking about? And then I had my own children. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, surely this is not normal, Jesus. I get no sleep. I'm on the go 24-7. I'm constantly just doing this, that, and the other. Then I came to realize that the call of God on my life, do you know it's the will of God for you to be busy, moms? The will of God, we're always looking for a way out. How we can have five minutes by ourselves. I used to lock myself in the bathroom with my, my mum used to send me a British magazine and she'd send me some chocolate. She used to call it mercy parcels. And I would receive my mercy parcel and I didn't want to share with my children because that's the kind of mother I am. And so I would sit in the bathroom on the counter, lock a door, and I would see these little fingers under there and they would say, are you finished, mom? And I'd say, no, it's really bad today. It's really bad. <laughs> And all I was doing was reading a magazine and eating chocolate. Do you know the will of God is for you to be busy as a mom? But it's not the will of God when you don't respond to the Holy Spirit when he says it's time to rest. As a woman of God with wisdom, you have to respond to the word rest when the Spirit of God speaks. I have that every day. I, you can ask my husband. I am the last one to check doors. I am the last one turning off lights. Uh, I'd say 98% of the time, I'm the last one, more, well, I got teenagers now, but um, more or less, I'm the last one to get to bed. Life is busy as mom, but you know what? You have to respond to the Holy Spirit when he says rest, because you're in it for the longevity. If you want to see the latter fruitful part of your life later on in life with health and sustainability, you've got to rest. You have to learn to rest. So it is the will of God for you to rest. But I, I got some scriptures here this morning. Shannon was encouraging us before service today in our pre-prayer with the musicians at 9, 9.30 this morning. And she opened up with a word and it stuck with me. And she said this, because he is, I am. Your dependency on motherhood is not how cool you are, how much you got it all together, that you look so glamorous with all your children that look just A-OK -okay perfect. Do you know the memories that your children will have that you held their hand and you prayed, that you held their hand and you listened, that you took the time to stop, that you took the time to put the phone down and eyeball, and my daughter, she loves me to eyeball her in the eyes. She just loves me to look at her because when, when I'm looking at her like that, she knows I have her undivided attention. That's what they'll remember. Not the Nike shoes, they'll come and go. Not the cool this, that, and the other, and how groovy it all was. That will come and go. But the things you do them in stewardom, the ways of the Lord, is what they will remember. And that can be a burden. That can be a burden sometimes. You sit there and say, it shouldn't be a burden. That's what you're called to do. Listen, when you juggle all the plates together, just the slightest thing can just really get you sometimes. But I found comfort in the word of God. And I want to share just a few scriptures here for you. First of all, I would like all the ladies to stand. If you did not bear a child, I still want you to stand. If you have, lots of women have mothered other children that they never give birth to. And I know women of God, you are constantly looking out for people to encourage. So if you were a lady this morning, you might say, I never had a child. I want you to stand because I want to honor you as a woman of God today. Um, the book, the, the gift that we have for you is actually, I chose this specifically, carefully, because I am no, I'm wanting women of God to be armed with the word of the Lord. There's nothing weak about being a woman. 
we know how to put armor on. And this little book that I have for you today with some chocolate fat calories with it is to encourage you. And what I want you to do is this. It's so slim and floppy, right? The 50 lipsticks that you've got in your purse right now, get rid of them. Put your lip gloss in and some one lipstick, all right? And put this book in there. Because women, we have the most random moment of being alone. And guess what never leaves our side usually? Our purses, right? And I want you to pull that word out. And the word of God in these books is categorized to whatever you're going through. Comfort, word of encouragement, despair, joy, gladness, dancing, problems with your children, whatever it may be. It's all in these little book journals that I have for you today. So it's to encourage you. But I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to hear these words. If you are needing hope today, Psalm 42, 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. If you're needing peace today, Numbers 6, 24, 26, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you're needing joy today, Psalm 4-7 says, you have put more joy in my heart. If you're needing deliverance today, Psalm 32-7, you are my hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. If you're needing purpose today, Psalm 138-8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. If you're needing help today, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you're needing courage today, Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you're needing comfort today, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. If you're needing rest today, Matthew 11, 28 says this. Come to me all you will labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And if you're needing assurance today, Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to do what you've created us to do, God. Whether we bore a child ourselves or, or just being that mothering uh, mentor in somebody else's life, it's still all as important, God. What a privilege it is to do your will, Father. And Lord, I pray a blessing upon the women of God in this house today. Whether they feel qualified to stand before you or not, whether they lost their cool yesterday at their kids or the franticness of getting to church, they thought something wrong or they, they may even have said something wrong. But Father, I pray that we would see ourselves in the reflection of you. Because you are, we are. Because of who you are, Jesus, we can stand confident in who you have called us to be. And I pray for peace to fill every heart today. I pray, Father, just even this day, Lord, as the fathers honor them, the, the children honor them, the family honor them, I pray, Lord, they will find that place of rest in their spirit. Father, because women are called, women are called with a great calling, and there is great purpose on our lives because of who you are. And so, Jesus, I thank you for every woman that's here today. Father, I pray, Lord, even if anybody's carrying wounds from their mother, the mother never encouraged them, the mother that neglected, the mother that abandoned. I pray for healing for each and every woman in this house today. Body, soul, mind. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You, off you go, guys. You can go ahead and give one out to every woman. Man, I want to encourage you today. I'm finished, but I want to encourage you.
You know, the best way you can honor your wife is acknowledging what she does. I'm a gift giver. I love giving gifts. But if my husband buys me a gift, I kind of freak out about it because I think to myself, oh, my goodness, how much did it cost you? <laughs> I'd rather not get anything if it means hurting my family financially. I don't want it, right? But listen, the best way you can acknowledge your wife is acknowledging her efforts. Because you know what? We do a lot of things in the unseen where there's no applaud. We don't get to work in the company environment all the time and get to climb that ladder of promotion or get the feeling of a paycheck. You know that reward, man, when you've worked really hard and you see that number and all those zeros after it? We don't get that. So, I don't, well, yeah, we do. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> you said that? Oh, well, let me know where you get that money from because I'd like it. But listen, your word of encouragement is absolute gold to women. I tell you what, it, is, it causes us to flourish. When you encourage us in the things of God, and you acknowledge whatever it is we're doing, how clean the house is, how amazing that dinner is, whatever it may be, I tell you what, she will sparkle. She will flourish. She will absolutely blossom. And she'll give you peace on earth as well. <laughs> and all the men said... Amen. All right, not that easy. Golly. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Today's sermon is titled Mighty Women of God. You know, when one of the dangers is is with doctrine we, we can end up in ditches, right? An example of this, prosperity gospel. That's one, that's one ditch on one side of the road. The other side of that is the people that taught, in order to be really spiritual, you have to be really poor, and you have to give everything away that you have, and you can't own anything to be really spiritual. That's another ditch, right? Somewhere in the middle, there are is truth, right? And tonight, or this morning, I, I, I want to try to keep us up on the road, okay? Because you can go too far either way with, I think, any doctrine. There uh, are some, some camps and some circles that teach that women cannot be used in ministry. They, I think, eisegete a couple of passages of Scripture and the eisegete means to take them and really to take them out of context. To understand Scripture, we have to understand it in context, in context of the book that it, that it belongs to, and in context, really, of the entire Bible, to properly understand any passage of Scripture. And so they take these two passages of Scripture, women should be silent in the church, uh, suffer not a woman to teach or to usurp authority over a man. They take these two passages of Scripture, and I think they do it out of context to... To, um, to bind women, to hinder women from doing what God has called them to do. So I, I want to try to put this into a proper context and to put us up on the middle of the road. There's balance, right? There's balance. And so let's uh, look into the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 1 through 7. I'm going to talk about mighty women of God. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of, she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a, been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. 
So that's just uh, a portion of Romans chapter 16. And um, just start out by saying that of the 29 names that are mentioned in this one chapter, 10 of these are ladies. That's thir- at minimum. And, and some of the names, there's discrepancies. They're not sure if they're male or female names. But a minimum of 10 of these names are female names. Ten of these are acknowledged in ministry. Not only that, very prominent roles in ministry. It starts with Phoebe, and it says that she's, in this translation, I read the New King's, King James Version, it says that she is a servant. The, the word there is actually the word for, for a deacon, diaconess. And it means to be a deacon, Right? And down in the second verse, he talks about her, and she, he says that she has been a helper of many and also of me. And that word helper there is prostatus, and it is a woman set over others. It's a female guardian, a protectress, a patroness, caring for the affairs of others and aiding them with their resources. That's the word that the Apostle Paul uses to describe this woman, right? Right? You go a little further down, he talks about Priscilla and Aquila, right? Women shouldn't teach, right? How many of you know that Aquila and Priscilla, and so this is a husband and wife team, and when it says that they were my fellow workers, he wasn't talking about the fact that they had built tents together. This is in regard to ministry, right? They did. They traveled together, and they built tents, you know, to make a living, but he's talking about their ministry here, and he said, they're my, my fellow workers, Aquila and Priscilla taught an apostle, Apollos. When they encountered Paulus, Aquila and Priscilla together taught this, this apostle, Apollos, and, and it says more, more accurately, the way of the Lord. They helped him to fine-tune his walk with Jesus together. And I'm going to tell you what, there, there is power... And, and, and I realize that, that not all of us are here, here are married, that there are some single ladies here. But I, I want to say this, that, that there is power in, in team ministry. When husbands and wives work together, I believe that their efforts are multiplied. I believe that I am a hundred times more effective in ministry with my wife serving along with me. I believe that with every fiber of my being. We were here yesterday for a birthday party that we had down in the basement, and my wife got up just to, to share a word of encouragement, and this, the, the prophetic gift that's on her life began to activate. And I watched her stand down in that basement yesterday and prophesy in a way that I cannot prophesy. She has an anointing on her life specifically for that that I do not have. And when we come together in ministry, our, our, our giftings and the anointing that's on our life to, uh, independently together, it, it strengthens and multiplies our efforts. I'm more fruitful when I work together in in unity and in harmony with my wife. In leading in the church, when we go to visit churches to minister, in leading in our home, when we are united, when we are working together, when we are functioning together as, as a whole and not divided. And, and, I, and I think that a lot of times the attitudes that, that men in, in, in the pulpit and men in the Christian church have, have regarded women has, has disunified us. It hasn't worked to bring harmony in our relationships together. There, there, are, there are some things, some attitudes that, that, that men of God that I, that I love, I think they're men of God, I think all, all of us, if we're not careful, we can fall into traps of, of saying things uh, in, in, in a way that maybe that God didn't intend them to be said, etc. right? Sometimes we exert our, our own opinions when we stand up here in the pulpit, and we have to acknowledge that. Sometimes we miss it. These are men of God, but I think in this area they've missed it, and, and in ways they have been chauvinistic in their attitudes towards women. When the Bible talks about submission, when we look at Ephesians and, and what it talks about, husbands loving their wives, women submitting to their husbands, etc., men have used that to dominate, and they've, they've had a very chauvinistic mentality. When you really love your wife, you're not going to have that kind of a, a, an attitude towards her. My, my heart towards my wife, I want to see her in her ministry and in, in everything that she does. I want to see her flourish. 
I want to see the, the call of God, the ministry of God, the things that God has purposed for her to, to do in his kingdom. I want to see her activated in that. I want to see her powerfully ministering and serving God the way that God intended for her to serve. I, I believe that as a, as a husband, I have a responsibility to cover my wife, and part of that is, is to help to, to, to lift her to be all that God intended for her to be. Someone says that they define, God, that they define Christian love as the desire to see someone else become everything that God intended for them to be. When you really love someone, that's what you're going to do. I want my wife to flourish in the things that she's been called to do, whether that, that's being a mother, whether that's being a wife, leading in our home, whether it's leading in the church, whether it's leading worship, whether it's going to, to speak out somewhere at another church or a conference somewhere, I want her to flourish in that. And it doesn't take anything away from my ministry, it adds to and strengthens my ministry. I believe that Aquila and Priscilla, had, they demonstrated this type of ministry where they flowed together in ministry, they served together in ministry. I could not do half of what I accomplished in the church, in ministry, without the help of my wife. I believe that. There's, there's power in, in, in us working in, in unity with our wives. We need to understand that, men of God. We need to understand that. He acknowledges Aquila and Priscilla here. Um, in verse 6, he, he, he acknowledges Mary. In verse 7, he acknowledges an, an Andronicus and Junia. Now, it's not, not quite clear if this is a husband and wife team or brother or sister, brother and sister, but, but uh, historians believe that either one of the two, that they're either the, a husband and wife team or they're a brother and sister team, but they're working together. And look at what the Apostle Paul says about them. He says, greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen, my fellow prisoners who were of note among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Acknowledges them along with the apostles. This is a female being acknowledged right there with the apostles. We need to see this. Again, 10 of the 29 people that the Apostle Paul greets, and we're not going to go through the entire chapter, but 10 of the 29 people that he greets in this chapter are female. And they're involved in the ministry of the church in some capacity. The idea that women don't have a place or a role in the church other than uh, you know, sweeping and cleaning and, and changing diapers in the nursery is nonsense. It's nonsense. And you know what? I can't control what all the other churches out there do. But I'm speaking something over this house, right? I have an authority in this house. Listen, if, if, ladies, I want you to know this. You have a ministry. We want to activate that. We want to empower that. We, and, and I'm not talking about in a way that, that overthrows or usurps, usurps authority or usurps your, your husband's headship or anything like that. Again, we, we're not going to end up in that ditch, right? We're going to keep the thing on the road. This is an acknowledgment of the call of God, right? And it's, it's just as vital, just as powerful, just as important to the church as uh, any man's call is. We need to understand that. The church will not function without women doing the, uh, what, what God intended for them to do. So we, we, here's the danger that I think that the, these men have done. They've, they've taken, isolated these two, and, and if you, I, I don't even have time, so I'm not gonna preach a long sermon today. If you take those two passages that they always isolate to say that women can't do stuff in the church, culturally, that's not even what it's talking about. When you study that out, we understand that it's not talking about women not, not preaching, not teaching, not speaking in the church. That's not what it's talking about. Right? And that's all I'm going to say. If you need more explanation on that, if you want some teaching on that, come to me. I'd love to share it with you. I'm not going to take the time today. We have to recognize that women are vital in the kingdom of God. We can't take those two passages of scripture and say that God doesn't use women when we've got an entire book full of examples where God is using women to do ministry. We need to understand that. Miriam was called a prophetess, right? Rahab saved the spies. Deborah delivered and led Israel, right? She was called a prophetess and a judge. Hannah guided Samuel in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. When, when the priests and, and their sons were, were defiling the altar in the midst of that generation, when the, the church was basically corrupt, 
Hannah led her son Samuel to the presence of the Lord, and he grew up to be a great prophet in Israel. He would, he would be the one who would anoint and ordain the kings. He would be the one who would be a prophet to Israel. Why? Because his mother stewarded his life. It was significant. Amen? Uh, Abigail saved David and his men. Jehosheba saved her brother, uh, Prince Joash, who was the son. They were the, the children of King Jehoram, and he would become the king after his father. Esther was used to save many lives, many of, the Jewish, of, of many Jewish people. Mary carried Jesus. The woman at the well evangelized her entire village. Right? And listen... The person who is first chosen to carry the gospel, to make the declaration that Jesus Christ has risen, was Mary Magdalene. Right? And you're going to tell me, with all of this evidence, with a book, and that, that, that's not even all of it. That's not even all of it. That, that, that's just a few highlights, right? So that, so that we, don't, we don't end up preaching the everlasting gospel today. Those are just the highlights. All of this evidence, and you're going to tell me God doesn't use women. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. And maybe they do it out there in other churches, but we're not going to do it here. We're not going to do it here. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. I love this passage. This is the great equalizer right here. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel, in an Old Testament prophecy, he prophesied. He said, it's going to come to pass that afterward I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. I love that right there. That's white flesh, brown flesh, black, whatever flesh you got, he's poured his spirit on it. Amen. This is the great equalizer. I love this passage. I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your what? Daughters shall prophesy. Right? They're going to prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So white people can use, be used of God according to this. Black people can be brown people, Jewish people, Chinese. It doesn't matter what flesh you got. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Right here, God's saying, I'm, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Right? That's, that's where we're at today. God has poured his spirit out upon his people. We need to understand that. God is using us. God desires to use all of us. He's called us to be a kingdom of priests unto our God. Right? Amen. So, ladies, I, I want to give you something, and, and we're going to be done. I'm going to preach a very, very short message today. I've worked on that all week long. <laughs> I'm not going to make any statements until I'm done. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. It takes a lot of work to preach short messages. It takes a lot of whittling. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Look at this. Similarly, teach the older women. And what I want to do is I want just let's focus in on this passage. I want to lift some simple truth for ladies. I think there's some great wisdom in here. There's some great guidance for us, for, especially for, well, not for, so much for us. I should say for you gals. Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. They, they, and this is how they should train them, that they should live wisely and be pure. They should work in their homes to do good to be submissive to their husbands, and then they will not bring shame on the word of God. So this is what God calls you gals to do, right? Simple truth, nine, nine, nine things. It's a nine-point sermon here now. Number one, live in a way that honors God. Live in a way that honors God. Ultimately, this is our high calling. 
Because you could, you could get up here and preach. You could get up here and lead worship. You could prophesy. But are you living in a way that honors God? My pastor taught me that my first calling was not to be a preacher. It was not to be a pastor. It was not to be an evangelist. Whatever term you want to put on it. The call is to be a saint. It's to be a child of God. It's to live my life in the best way that I could to, to accurately reflect the nature and character of Jesus. To present Jesus to a lost and dying world. Live your life in a way that honors God. Number two, don't slander. Don't slander. Women, I think in, in, in a way you've gotten a bad rap. We always talk about women gossiping. How many of you know men gossip just as much as women? Right? Let's just blow that myth out of the water. Men gossip too. Don't slander. That's a big one in our culture. I, 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 I was reading through this last night, actually, and I was thinking about all of the, um, just as you flip through your social media feed, and you look at the way people are living their lives. Don't slander, folks. Don't, don't throw mud. Don't disparage people. Don't run people down. Don't have derogative remarks in your mouth about somebody. Don't slander. Don't be a heavy drinker. Anybody need help with this one? And it says, number four, be, be apt to teach. Be apt to teach. I thought women weren't supposed to teach. Well, you know, after fifth grade. It's, it's, it's okay if they're, if they're fifth graders and under, they can teach them, but it needs to stop there, right? I mean, where, where do we draw the line? Right? Where do we draw the line? Be apt to teach. And then he says, especially teaching the young women. Ladies in this church, we need you guys. I, I would love for you guys to take this role very seriously. There's a generation of young women that need you. How many of you had amazing examples? I, I, I had a lot of great Bible teachers, Bible college there's a couple, of, a couple of ladies, though, these, this, especially this. There's a lady named Ruth Bell. Ruth Bell, I mean, she had the, the hair bun thing. She, that's right. She was an old Pentecostal lady. And I, took, I took introduction to ministry with Ruth Bell. I took um, the minor prophets and the major prophets with Ruth Bell. And I took missions with Ruth Bell. Ruth Bell was joined on the, uh, born on, on the mission field. Her, her dad was a missionary to Japan. Her dad moved to San Antonio, Texas, started the Bible college that we, um, Rachel and I, went to and met at. She moved there as a young teenage girl and grew up there, went to school there, actually went to high school at the Bible college, graduated from the Bible college, met her husband at the Bible college, her and her husband went to pastor the church, and then she continued to come and teach at the Bible college. This is a, by the time I encounter her, a 70-something, probably 77, 78-year-old lady. And we used to, when we go off, off to Ruth Bell's class, we would, we'd always say, we're going to Sunday school. Because she was going to have us stand, she was going to have us recite our memory verse, she was going to have us sing uh, a, a, a hymn. We, lear we learned a hymn every day. She kept the old hymns alive. And we were going to pray, and then she was going to teach. Man, I, I, could, I, I could tell you lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson that I, want, I learned from this woman of God. She gave me so much clarity and understanding for the prophets. She made a deep, deep impact on my life. How many of you know I like missions? You ever heard me talk about missions? 
That's Ruth Bell. Ruth Bell stamped that mold for missions, the Great Commission, going to the nations. She stamped my, my I, I, I can't get away from it. That's why I talk about it. That's why I talk about the Great Commission so much. That's why I'm quoting the Great Commission out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Acts so often. She made me memorize those passages. I memorized all five versions of the Great Commission in Ruth Bell's class. She was a great example. How many of you have had those kind of examples right, of women of God? Like you, you could see the character of Christ in them. You, you could, when you were around them, you felt the love of God. You look up to them and I want to be like that gal, right? Great examples in the church. Ladies, we need that. Our kids, our teenagers. I mean, and, and you, you ladies, you're, you're an example to our young men. Our young men need to see what a woman looks like. I'm not, I'm not talking about the hair bondage and the dress, but I'm, I'm talking about conduct, the way that we live our lives, a way that, that honors a life that, like we started out saying, that honors God. Generation needs that. Amen? And I do, I, I want to salute because there are so many of you do it so well. But I want to encourage you, go for it. Do everything you can to get a hold of this young generation. Take, take the time to take them out for coffee. Take the time to take them out for dinner. Invite them over. Let them, let them come sit in your living room. Right? And, and you don't have to lecture them. You don't have to be, you know, like, turn into a Sunday school teacher when you're around them. Like, just bring them in, love them, and bring them along. Right? This is needed. This is needed. He says that the, old, that the older women should teach the younger women. And what, what should they teach them? Number one, to, to love their husbands and their children. Ladies, love your husbands. I know it takes work. Love us. Love us. Well, pastor, if you knew how, I know how he is. Love him. He doesn't love me. And then the husband saying, well, she doesn't respect me. Right? This is vicious cycle. We've, we, we encounter it all the time. We do marriage counseling. We count it over and over again. She's saying, he doesn't love me. He doesn't treat me the way. He, he, he's saying, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't value me. She doesn't honor me. This is a cycle. And it just, they're feeding into it. Right? Who's going to break the cycle? Wives, choose to love your husbands even when he's not worthy. Even when he ain't acting right. Even when he's not jumping through the hoops you want him to jump through. Whatever it is. Love him anyway. Love him, love him, love him, love him. If, if you'll do that, you will break a cycle. Amen. You'll break a, a cycle. Show, show respect to your husband. It's your, it's your husband's number one need. I mean, I mean just try it. When he, when he comes home... You, you, you just wait, be, be waiting at the door from him, and we, when he walks in the door, just say, here comes my man. You're the man. You, you, you're the breadwinner, right? You, you, you're the man. Like, make him feel like the man, because that, that, I don't know if you knew this, that, that's, not, that's man's number one need. Did you know that? Affirmation. What's a, what's a woman's number one need? Love. That's why the teaching of Ephesians is there. Respect your husband. Affirm your husband. Because if you don't affirm him, somebody else will. Amen. And you wonder why he's straying. Right? And husbands, you wonder why your wife is responding. Love her. It's her number one need to love her. Right? Teach them to love their husbands. Teach them to love their children. Your children are not a burden. Right? Amen. What my wife was saying a minute ago. Y'all need to teach that to the next generation. Teach these young ladies how to love their kids. Teach them to live wise. To be discreet. One look at TikTok. We have a generation without discretion. Look at your, your, your Instagram scroll or your Facebook scroll. We have a generation without discretion. We need women who will teach discretion. 
who will teach young ladies how to live wise, how to live pure, it says. The word there is chaste. How to live a pure and a chaste life. We have a generation today that the more you let hang out, the looter you are, the more nasty you are, the more popular and accepted you are. Come on, ladies, shine a light on that. Shine the light of Jesus. Shine the pure light of Jesus on that. We need that example. It says to be a homemaker. This is not a popular one. Choosing to be a homemaker doesn't take away from a profession. It doesn't take away from a ministry. You know, you can be a homemaker and have a job. You can be a homemaker and have a ministry. My wife does it. My wife helps here with worship, with counseling. They've been calling for her to preach again since last Mother's Day. I think that was the last time. And they've been begging for me to shut up and let her preach again ever since. She does all these things in the church, and she keeps our house going. And by the way, that's not all her responsibility. I do participate some. (laughs) Not as much as I should, not as much as she'd like for me to, but I, I do, right? I try to make stuff happen at my house. It's not all on our wives. It's a partnership. Amen? But... And we have to understand, there is an all-out assault on womanhood, on masculinity, on genders, right? We need to come back. God shows us a picture, and we need to come back to that picture. Amen? And not in a ways that puts us in a ditch. You're supposed to be a homemaker. One guy asked... His friend got him a watch, and his friend asked him, why did you buy her a watch? She's got a, a clock on the stove. Right? That's a ditch. You're a homemaker. Stay in the kitchen, right? No, 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 no. You kidding me? You can be a homemaker. You can have a job. Right? But don't, don't let the enemy... And this is what's happening in this generation. The enemy is, that, why are homes so broken? Think about it. Why, why is there so much dysfunction in homes and in culture? And I'm going to tell you, the, 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 the dysfunction that we're experiencing in our culture is the result of what's happening in churches and homes. Amen. That's truth. Amen. We're allowing the enemy to destroy what God says is holy. Wives, you need to get a passion for your home. Husbands as well. We need to fight for our houses. We need to see it as priority. Right? And, and I get it. I get it. Believe me, I get it. I pass our church. I do stuff here and there on the side, I'm involved in this, that, and the other, and then I've got kids, and I get the stresses. It's hard to have family game night. It's hard to eat dinner at home. I get it. We've got to fight for it. We've got to contend for it, right? Time around your dinner table. Game nights, family outings, family vacation, vacation with your family, right? Date your wife. We got to make time for it. We got to fight for this stuff. It's not easy. I get it. It's not. The last thing it says that they should teach is, and this is my favorite, teach them to be submissive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to be submissive. What, let me ask you this what's wrong with being submissive? We hate it. We hate submission. All of us, not just women, us men hate it. Let me ask you this, though. Men, we expect our wives to submit, and we won't submit to the authority of the church. We want our wives to submit, and we're bad-mouthing our bosses. Right? So the call of submission is not just to women. 
Even in the marriage relationship, understand this. Husbands, you are submitted to your wife. No, 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 no. The Bible says she's supposed to say, you're submitted. Right? You don't believe you're submitted? Go go stay out till 3 o'clock in the morning, come home with perfume and lipstick on your shirt, see if you're not submitted. You're submitted. And the Bible teaches it. I, I can take you to the passage right now. It talks about mutual submission in the marriage, in relationship between parents and children, in our relationships in the church. The Christian life is a life that calls all of us to submission. Submit to one another. Submit to your leaders, right? Submit to your, it calls us to submission. Our flesh is fighting against it. Our carnal nature hates the idea of submission. Our spirit longs. Our spirit longs for covering. Our spirit longs for us to be properly aligned. Our spirit man longs for us to walk in healthy relationship as God designed it. The enemy has twisted our minds to the concepts of God to the point where they become foreign to us. Where we accept cultural whims above what God has said about it. Submission is not a bad thing. Amen? I'm done. I'm glad I didn't brag because I took longer preaching than I wanted to. I was going to stand up here and say, man, I didn't preach long, but I think I did. Let's stand together. Praise God. How many of you love our young people? Amen. Amen. I want to pray over our young people. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the mothers that are in this place, the women that are in this place. Lord, I pray that they understand their significance in your kingdom. They are mighty women of God. They have a call upon their life. Father, I pray that you would help them to flow into your kingdom, into your purpose, and function, Lord, as you desire for them to function. I thank you for it, and I give you praise. We lift up our young people before you, Lord God. We want to be good stewards of their lives, Lord. We want to direct them towards your kingdom and help them to learn to walk in your ways. Father, I thank you for camp. I thank you for this opportunity for young people to come together and to worship together, to to build relationships, and, Lord, most importantly, to encounter you. Camp marked me, and even when I tried to run, I couldn't get away from it. Lord, I pray that you would draw our young people together, Lord God, bring even some that aren't a part of us that would maybe join and go. And Father, I pray that you would just give them a blessed time together this summer. Lord, go before and prepare, make a way, make provision for the ministry and what they're going to encounter. Father, we thank you for it. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen.